of the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Welcome everyone to the spoiler room. I appreciate you coming down the stairs and joining us tonight. And I have two special guest crew members with me to discuss uh, Italian horror from 1980. Uh, we're going to be talking about Nightmare City, a.k.a. City of the Walking Dead. And first off, I have from uh, the Horror Retrospective YouTube channel. Uh, she is a horror reviewer, and uh, we welcome Kara tonight. Uh, or is it Kara? I apologize. Is it Kara or Kara? Uh, I go by Cara, but I'm I'm not picky about it. Okay, well we'll make I'll make sure uh, to say Cara. I, I want to pronounce it correctly. But uh, how are you doing tonight, Cara? Doing okay, pretty good. Great. Well, I'm glad you could join us to uh, talk about this uh, rather interesting film. And next to Cara, we have uh, the horror miser himself. He also has a YouTube channel out there, does horror reviews as well as other movie reviews, but he definitely is a man who loves horror. And it is Lamont. Hello, Lamont. How are you doing, sir? Pretty good. Pretty good. Never had a bad day in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's great. If you get any extra good days, slide them my way. Cause I could use a couple, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, last week uh, we looked at a, uh, film called zombie nightmare. And so today uh, we are looking at nightmare city from, uh, it was originally released in 1980. Uh, I believe it was in 83 when it was released as city of the walking dead in the U S but it is brought to us by the director Umberto Lenzi, who did, uh, he directed Cannibal Ferro as well as many other in uh, Italian horror films. And basically this one is about a plane that has been exposed to radiation. And uh, well, the inhabitants inside become uh, basically infected with radiation. And we have a reporter who is supposed to meet a doctor who's on this plane. But instead of the doctor coming off the plane, we have a bunch of irradiated infected people who go on a murderous rampage and abiding their victims. And some victims who are bitten stand up and they go on a murderous rampage. And we see how this spreads throughout the city and causing chaos and mayhem, not only with uh, the public, but also with uh, the military. Um, <laughs> now, th- this film, oh, man. Uh, first, I want to get uh, your guys' impressions uh, when you first saw the film. So, Caro, when did you first see this film, and, and what, what, what was your initial feeling with it? Um, to me, it just kind of seemed like, I guess, one of those typical uh, Italian films like doesn't really have a clear plot flow, just kind of discombobulated a little bit. So it's um, at least here and there, at least kind of like, um, I don't know, it's weird, like to a degree, it half reminds me of House by the Cemetery. Sure. <laughs> They're sure. way different. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it, it, it is definitely a little, your, kind of your standard Italian horror. Uh, Lamont, how about you? Do you remember when you first saw this and, and your kind of initial feelings with it? Yeah, I actually saw this on one of the many uh, VHS tapes that I used to go to in uh, South Philly called Earl's Video Store. And, uh, of course, you no know, me being a horror fan, I actually just picked it up. And I said, oh, wow, I got to watch this one. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, God damn, how bad this movie looks. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, back then, I didn't know anything about dubbing and, and, and anything like that or Italian horror. I just happened to remember how, I mean, I still, I mean, I just, it was so bad and so good. And I was having a good time laughing at it. My mother saying, she says, Monty, where'd you get this crap from? I said, you got it from the video store. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously now, now that I understand, you know, how, you know, Italian horror and gallo pictures and stuff like that. So I get a better perspective of what the film was trying to do. But just like Kara said, you know, it's, it's combobulated, you know, you really have to try to understand uh, because obviously the translation between the, if you watch a dub version, the translation doesn't come off very well. And I was like, damn, I seen better uh, dubbing on in uh, Ultraman's uh, TV shows or uh, the space giants. <laughs> That's, but uh, it, it, it's okay. It, it, it is what it is. It's just, mm. you know, whether you, it, you know, you have to, that's how they filmed it back in the day. Yeah, it, it is how they filmed it, especially for Italian horror, uh, you know, and, and the quality that they were shooting us on. I mean, because back then we're, we're still talking film here uh, that they, they're shooting us on. So it's not the highest of budgets for it either. Uh, but you still get a lot of those, what I find interesting uh, elements that you get in especially early horror where they're trying to make a statement. Like, uh, you know, we got our main character, Dean Miller here, who, I mean, I think it's within the first five minutes he's spouting, uh, what about the freedom of the press? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that, that was funny about it. What about freedom of the press? <laughs> I'm like, wow, could you be any more on the nose? <laughs> I mean, and, and he has some dialogue further, which uh, we'll talk about too, uh, um, because we'll, we'll kind of jump around the movie a bit because I'm sure it's been... It's been talked about, uh, you know, uh, by other folks as well uh, who break down every scene by scene. But, uh, you know, this guy, they use him kind of as the voice of, it feels like the director, not only as anti-military, uh, you know, anti-government uh, control, but also voice of the press. And and basically, it, he felt like the voice of the director. Lamont, did you feel that way with uh, our uh, reporter Dean Miller that he was kind of the voice of the director through this film. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like he was the main guy that was trying to explain what the hell was going on. I guess that's what the best way we can describe his character was because, uh, you know, you know, because you no, know, back then I'm still trying to figure out what you know. I had a basic idea what was happening, you know, because this this type of um, film reminded me of some of the. Uh, 50 horror creatures that I've seen, you know, you have, uh, because after then you had the atomic scare. So you mm -hmm. had all these, you know, radiation things where there was, it turned uh, tarantulas into giant tarantulas or <laughs> turned this man into a, a, a 60 foot man or a 50 foot woman. So that's, that's where I got the gist from. So, mm -hmm. and think that's what he was trying to use. The director was trying to use this direct, uh, this reporter as his voice. Yeah. And, uh, Kara, how about you? Did you feel kind of like Dean Miller was the voice and, and was this a little too on the nose for the social commentary of the time? 
I think it's, and I don't know if it was intentional, but it, I guess I kind of lean more towards George Romero in that whole aspect where zombie films are just kind of treated more as social commentary where you're actually commenting on whether it's the, you know, bureaucracy or government policy or something, but it just kind of feels like that was like the whole thing, kind of like, what was it when he tried to put on the 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 last minute news bulletin trying to let people know what was mm-hmm. going on and they just hushed him up right away mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it it does you feel the romero influence in this uh it, you know it felt like he he was trying to do his own uh you know night of the living dead in many <laughs> i know it's zombies it's not zombies it's it's radiated people but it, these are zombies come on <laughs> you know? and uh yeah it does have a lot of influence uh you could tell from romero because what uh it was it dawn of the dead had come out um because this was originally released in 1980 so dawn of the dead had just come out i think a couple years before then or whatnot yeah. and it really felt like he was borrowing from romero quite a bit though we do have fast zombies in here Oh, you know, I I I think this is the first time we've had uh, fast zombies in a horror film. Um, Kara, uh, do you do you think this is kind of the first instance? Do you think of of fast zombies? And and what did you think of our infected? Um. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking that because forever and ever, I always thought like the whole twenty-eight days later was the the first fast zombie. But these these guys were they were like the fast zombie, the thinking zombie. What surprised me is the um, they can still drive vehicles or they can still use firearms or whatever. <laughs> it, they, they were far more uh, sophisticated than than your uh, Romero schlepping zombie. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. they could use tools as well, and it seemed like they even had strategy <laughs> for mm-hmm. some things. Um, Lamont, how'd you feel about our, our zombies in this? The, the well, excuse me, the irradiated people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that took me a bit by surprise. I says, "Wow, these zombies—they they can think." I said they they were running, they're stabbing, uh, they can actually hold guns and fire. That really uh, that's what got me uh, interested in the film. You know, when they and they come out the plane, all of a sudden, you know, they're attacking people, they're stabbing people, they're running. I said, if these are not the zombies that I'm familiar with, I said, well, then I said, well, maybe they're not zombies. I said, it can't be. You know, but even though they were still biting people. But they were more likely, you know, because this is one scene. I remember that they're, I think they're somewhere, and this one affected uh, person is just literally just stabbing shit out of this, uh, yeah. this one woman. I said, damn, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but a zombie knows how to use a knife? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, just, that just took, that was really, that's, I guess that's the reason why I really liked the film, because it was something totally different than I expect. Now, obviously, of course, now we have, you know, we have uh, 28 Days Later, we have the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Now, keep in mind, I always tell people that in 28 Days Later, those are not zombies. They're just infected with the rage virus. Right. <laughs> and and that's what we kind of have here, because it is 80s, Cold War. I mean, it hasn't changed in 50, in 30 years for horror. Our, one of the f- big fears is still nuclear radiation. So these are irradiated people. They aren't 
technically infected zombie folks. They are, you know, even though they have a lot of those, uh, some of those traits, and then we do have them fast moving, though I kind of thought they looked more like uh, casting rejects for a Toxic Avenger film. Uh, I know, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, later on, later on, it's like, God damn it. Because so, I'm telling myself, those are bad makeup effects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they mostly looked like they had been burned or something, but I don't know how that translates to infection. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite make the connection either of, okay, I understand they're irradiated and infected. And if they're radiation, why would they even need to bite the people if you would get... You know, I thought well, maybe if you got close enough to the person, you just get in, in, infected. I think that might have been a little bit better way to go uh, with it than than the whole blood thing. But then, you know, you can get some of those wonderful scenes where they stab someone and then immediately just start sucking on the wound, yeah. uh, <laughs> which, you know, yeah. like, okay, okay, you know, it added for some interesting scenes, but. Um, yeah, so we've got our we've got our reporter in here, and then we've got a lot of soldier characters. Oh yeah, I'm like, wow, and these aren't really the best generals and soldiers that we have. Carl, what would you think of the soldier characters in this film? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just as clueless as everyone else is. The way it comes off to me, it's just they're. I don't know. It's, I mean, if, especially if you've got a guy who's not even paying attention and you've got a zombie that gets the drop on him or whatever, when he's supposed to be trained to know better. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's like they were also trying to make a statement about the military, not being prepared for say a true threat uh, with this. Maybe that's what they're going for. Or am I reading too much into that Lamont or were these just inept? soldiers <laughs> I, I just thought they were inept soldiers because yeah. uh, uh, i come from a military family mm. and uh, my my father was uh in the navy my brother was in the uh air force so uh, to me they just came off as inept inept uh soldiers soldiers sure. it's like there's simply no way in the world that these are real military men so that i just thought that maybe i guess i guess they're trying to maybe some poor attempt at comedy or something like that. I don't know if that's what the whole purpose of making these guys so stupid for. No, especially like Kara said, that scene where, you know, you think a soldier's more prepared to deal with a person that's attacking him, and then, like, you let the zombie get the drop on him. It's like, well, damn, that's dumb. Well, yeah, I mean, right there at the beginning of the film, they're surrounding this plane, the two guys open the door, and suddenly the zombies come pouring out. They should have just kill them all right there but they these zombies with only axes and knives take out an entire platoon of guys <laughs> on the runway and you're just like really you know and then I, I loved our, our reporter it's good to know reporters haven't gotten much smarter though over uh the decades because you still had the cameraman and reporter filming like all of this bloodshed <laughs> and carnage <laughs> When, when they came pouring out of the plane, I couldn't believe I'm like, oh, well, at least some things haven't changed with reporters and horror films. But, uh, you know, our, our Dean Miller character, he does have a, a wife, uh, Dr. Ann Miller, who um, this was an interesting relationship. Uh, uh, Lamont, what did you think of Ann Miller? And in fact, uh, the majority of the, uh, the female characters I mean, it, it is a 1980 film, so there there are kind of those uh, 
weaknesses in the writing of female characters. But what do you think of the female presence in this film? Oh boy. Um, and it's sad too because I, you know I want it because as much as I respect women and, and uh, I you know don't understand. Uh, I guess because it was the time. Uh, we didn't have uh, any of the progressive women's movement back in, even though even the eighties, you would still think they would still show some respect for some of the women, you know, especially in film. But you know, again, it's just like, is that's it? That that's all we're going to get? Another, you know, um, I'm trying to, if I remember correctly, I don't know if she was a damn. If they do the usual damsel in distress uh, mm-hmm. cliche like they always do in some of these movies. Because I'm trying to remember that, because like, it's been a while since I've seen it. But I think, you know, in most of these pictures, we always have these damsels and distress moments. Yeah, it, it, there is. And, and Kara, how about you? How do you feel about uh, you watch you watch a lot of uh, older horror films? How how do you feel of the female representation in this film? It's kind of hard not to feel nitpicky because they all seem kind of like how Lamont said they're they're all written as. I guess to some degree, a, a cliche, like, especially when they're coming off with lines. Um, I forget who it was that had called and they, they warned their wife to stay indoors. And yeah, she's like, well, you don't tell me what to do. And, and he's like, this isn't some jealousy thing. Woman, just listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Yeah. I, I caught that dialogue and I'm like, well, this is definitely from a different time period (laughs) sure you know i mean and and along with those lines not only do you have that going on you know with those characters but i mean his wife was a doctor but in the end she still see you know she was not a strong character everyone in here seemed to any of the female characters seemed to really fall victim i mean you get a scene in there too where it's two care two of the female characters they're in a house and uh the one comes over and goes yeah i, I tried to barricade everything including yeah. the door to the cellar yeah and she's like oh i forgot that <laughs> like, oh god I'm like really I'm like, and she goes down and she you know and then it gets worse with them because they go down and she goes oh it was open well it's closed now there can't be anybody down here, can there? Not a lot. Oh, they're surprised. So it's, I'm just like, oh, come on, give them some sense. It, it could just be be me, but um, and I'm so bad with names, I can't remember the characters' names. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, like um, Dr. Miller, the wife. Um, mm-hmm. she to some degree. And maybe it's just my misinterpretation, but she kind of seemed kind of standoffish. Like there was some underlying thing going on between husband and wife. Like she just kind of seemed to be avoiding him. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not doing anything, but let's just lie and say I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it did seem like their relationship was strained though with unfortunately how weak the, the, the script is to this, you don't really get anything more than that. So you kind of have to draw your own conclusion, but yeah, that's kind of the impression I got too, was their relationship was a bit strained. Uh, you, you know, maybe cause she, you know, she's a doctor and he's just a reporter, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in her eyes, maybe I, I, yeah, I'm not sure what the whole deal with that was either. Lamont, what about you? Did you pick up that, their relationship may have been strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I just felt this though because I'm looking at the uh, movie and I'm like, well, why she's mad at him? 
but the yeah. film doesn't go into any any aspects no. of their other relationship other than the fact that you know she's a doctor, he's a lawyer, she's uh, upset with him for some reason, but the film doesn't explore that. That's one of the problems you have with some of these uh, old fashioned movies, uh, especially though know, they don't have any time for character development. Yeah, there is, and and you know, and it's one of those things too where we all look at it. We watch enough movies, you go, all you need is one one or two sentences at most, <laughs> you know, to give the impression, okay, either he, he cheated or, or she doesn't like it because he's, you know, uh, schlepping, you know, as not such a great reporter or whatnot, you know, and, uh, but we don't get any of that, but you know, whatever relationship they have straining, uh, it gets healed up obviously as they move along and escape in the, the ambulance, to this gas station scene, which really felt like it was ripped from a Romero film. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Levant, why did you tell our listeners a little bit about the, if you remember the, the gas station scene where they pull up into the gas station and it's empty. I mean, this feels right from Romero. Oh, yeah. It? That's my first thought about this is like, what the hell? I just saw this on night and the living dead. It's like, come on guys, show some originality. <laughs> I said, uh, I hope. I said, I know I rented. Uh, uh, no, I didn't rent that film. But I'm, that's the first thing that hit me was, you know, Night of Living Dead, and it's like, you know, no originality whatsoever. No, it, it wasn't uh, at all. And Cara, uh, <clears throat> did you feel too that this scene was kind of reminiscent, quite a bit of of the Romero zombie film? <laughs> I, I think it's probably just a little too generalized to where you can maybe just half compare it to just about any mm-hmm. abandoned building type scene. But um, I know I've also run across the comparison where I guess just another Romero film where a lot of people say that this one's also similar to The Crazies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It does have kind of that vibe as well, the way the story is told. Um, the The original Crazies, which... Uh, that was actually, uh, it's a film. I like that film. All right. Um, uh, it, it actually was, I enjoyed the remake a little bit better. Most of it, except for maybe that ending for the remake, but, um, yeah, it does have a crazies feel to it. Um, and then in that gas station too, we get that wonderful exposition where again, we have the screenwriter and, and director two on the nose, I think with their message of, anti-nuclear power <laughs> and but there's a line in there i think where uh you know maybe we'll get more healthy and avoid things like coke and nuclear energy <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like coke wait how do you equate coke with nuclear energy but uh you know that again we get that whole this exposition in there with the fault of man and technology uh which Really, Kara is a is a theme that shows up for many years, uh, but especially you know through horror, not just here. But uh, what do you think of scenes like this, where where you kind of just get this exposition of of them giving the message? Uh, do you think that's kind of too in your face and, and blunt for you know even for a, a simple horror film, or uh, do you think that uh, it it has its place? Um. I think it's at, at at least with this particular film, I think it's just very hit or miss because they could have made a very strong statement and they just kind of schlepped a whole bunch of things together. But I think it's, it's been, I think a common thing, theme, um, I guess among horror for years is that 
directors, writers, it's it's easier to sneak in more serious themes because no one pays attention to horror except for the fans. Mm-hmm. So if if somebody actually does have a statement to make, they can actually say what they need to say without actually running the risk of, of uh, I guess, just being singled out so they can avoid Big Brother but still say what they... Um, what they actually intended to say and not have to mask it over so much like, Oh, there's this monster. That's the government. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if people don't pick up in Godzilla, you know, the original Godzilla, that Godzilla is the threat of, of the, the H bomb, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you're, you're missing, you're totally missing it. Uh, it's kind of in your face, but Lamont, how about you with a horror film? I mean, cause this dialogue in here is really on the nose, but you think uh, that, like Kara said, they can kind of get away with it because they know their audience, and so they don't necessarily have to beat around the bush or whatnot for their uh, to get their message through. Yeah, because normally a a, a person that's they believe that a general uh, person is going to see a horror film is just going to see it for the gore and the blood, and uh, obviously, unfortunately, you know, uh, no, especially during the eighties, during the slasher film, you know, uh, naked women. Uh, the, that that's basically what they think the average audience is going to see. They're not going to pay any attention to any uh, subliminal messages that's going to be put in there. And uh, that's one of the things I didn't like about the first Purge because it was too much anti-45 in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like, come on. It's like, uh, okay, guys, you don't like, you know who, we get it, but we don't need, I don't want a bunch of that propaganda I just want to see a nice, decent horror picture. I don't need all that uh, political, uh, extra political <laughs> messages in the film. Or, or if you do have that, just do it briefly and then move yeah, on. Do, right? do it briefly and, and, and that's fine, okay? But then, no, I don't need all the other stuff in there. No, but that, that you know, it's just like I said, you know, during the uh, 50s when we saw all those other pictures, like whether it was Godzilla or uh, tarantula mm-hmm. or the attack of the praying mantis, you know, the message was nuclear nuclear weapons are bad, or you're going to have a giant lizard attack yeah. <laughs> you, or you're going to have a, uh, these giant insects are going to come up against man. Yeah, and, and man's going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, man does not usually come out well at the end of whatever battle it is with those creatures. Uh, you know, it's funny you brought up the first purge because yeah, it, uh, just as a side, I, I that was a movie where I wish they would have just stuck with more of the purge stuff on the street. You could have cut out the whole back scene in the in the control room in that completely and not lose a thing in that film. So mm-hmm. you know, and in this film, yeah, you're right. People they kind of know who their audience is for this, and especially. In 80s Italian horror, it has a lot of those tropes. And you did mention it, Lamont, the the gratuitous nudity in here, oh, which yeah. it, it gets ridiculous in this film. Now, I understand that it's kind of comes with it kind of comes with the uh, genre and the time that it comes out, but there's times when the the top is on. And like, there's a scene in the basement where we were talking about where the zombies in there and she, he attacks the one girl and, or the one woman. And and she has her top kind of on, we cut to a zombie and then we cut back and it's just gone. (laughs) It's just gone. (laughs) And and it serves, it really serves no purpose in the movie other than just, Hey, look, women's breasts. Yeah. You know, that doesn't serve, you know, come on guys. I mean, you know, I 
it's it's always that question though of uh you, you know how much or how little but here yeah it adds absolutely it makes no sense it, it why are they if they're ravenous killers you know they're they're stabbing some and of course it's just the women i mean if they, they these guys were ripping off the clothes of the guys too at least you get equal you know equal yeah, clothes I mean, ripping yeah. going <laughs> on in here but uh you know but that that's one trope that i never quite understood with some of these well i mean i understand why they put it in there but none of the nudity really uh, made sense in this movie at all you know i mean and we've all watched a lot of old especially old school horror and so you you know it's probably going to be in there but i mean uh, cara would you agree that it really served no purpose whatsoever outside of just being exploitation um i guess it's kind of like you said just part of the the era um mm-hmm. you know everybody's kind of like free love let it fly Woo! <laughs> <laughs> even in the zombie film well ah, just let it fly <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it, it, it here it just i was like the the one scene was really it was so blatant though it was like just the, the clothing just evaporated i'm like there's not even like evidence that it was ripped or anything just gone and i'm like wow all right can you be any more obvious i know Uh, yeah (laughs) you know sometimes sometimes it works in there where you're going okay i could see but you know other times you're like eh no not really yeah (laughs) you know that that's just completely yeah i mean uh we don't really get any they try to give you some character depth in this film but it really doesn't work at all uh you know there there is a it's got a large cast though surprisingly uh cara does it surprise you the scope for the budget that this film's on the scope that it takes because there's a lot of people and uh, action uh, like set pieces in this more so than what we might see normally in a, a lower budget film like this um i think it's it's pretty balanced out because you have kind of like the a lot of scenes that could just easily have been sets or, or someone's bedroom or, or mm-hmm. somewhere kind of like you have the cellar or the, the TV station. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's, it's very easy, I think at least to repurpose some of that and at least to a degree convince the audience, well, this is a different room. You, we haven't been here before, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, different dressing. It, how about the amount of people though, that are in this film? I mean, for the type of film, it's got a huge cast of extras and such in it. Uh, Mm-hmm. Is that surprising, or, or do you think uh, that's kind of standard too for the film of the age? I, I would say at least for that time period, especially because you've got Hugo Stiglitz, who I mean, I know he's he's more of like an international actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some people who, I guess, to some degree, just via partnership between different countries, they pull their money together, and you've got like that that cross appeal there. So I think mm-hmm. it was more easy for them to pull something off like that when you have numerous studios or producers working together, especially when they're mostly backing whenever there's, there's a big name in the, in mm-hmm. the film, they're more willing to, to ante up and it, it helps the film. It just didn't help the plot. <laughs> <laughs> we got all this great stuff. Unfortunately, this, the script sucks. <laughs> well, we got all these people. I guess we're going to need a script, aren't we? Damn. Uh, <laughs> we, uh. we, 
We see that in, in so a lot of, uh, I think, European horror, though, especially the, the age. But even now, if you watch a foreign horror film, how many production companies are involved usually in ones with especially larger cast? I mean, Lamont, how do you feel about, about the scope of this film and, and the, the, the amount of people that are actually in this kind of low-budget Italian horror film? It really didn't surprise me because mm-hmm. uh, at, at the time I, I'd seen this, I saw the zombie Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, and of course, obviously, Suspiria and, uh, and a few other uh, Italian gala horror films. So it didn't really surprise me about the amount of amount of people that were in this film, because just like Harris said, you know, they probably pulled their resources together to get a lot of people in this film. So it didn't surprise me at all. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. like I said, it didn't help with the plot. Yeah, it doesn't. We'll just we'll distract them. We'll just throw lots of bodies and blood at them, and and some some nudity, and no one will pay attention to the plot that's not there. <laughs> Especially the ending. They they oh, saw Jr. in the shower ending this. Don't movie. remind me of that. <laughs> Levine, we want to talk about the, uh, not to go off topic, but no, that's okay. Worst decisions. Ever, it was all a dream. That's the best you could come up with. Oh, please! Uh, uh, not that I was a huge fan of Dallas to begin with, but that that oh, oh boy! Yeah, oh, entire season was a dream. And Lamont, we get that here. So I take it this ending didn't quite sit well with you either. Then no, no, no. no. <laughs> it's like that's it. You guys couldn't come up with anything better than that. And to me, it's 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 to me it's a cop out when the writer just doesn't have any other way to end the story because he can't come up with a great conclusion, so he just cops out. Mm-hmm. It, it is a cop out, though. They do start repeating the scenes to make you, and they got that ending. Uh, does uh, uh, fantasy become reality? Uh, <laughs> but this ending, yeah. I said, "Come on, now that that's, it's an insult to the audience." To be, if you ask me. I, I think it's a, a it's a lazy way out as well. I mean, you know, depending on the f- not, not even depending on the film. You're right. It, it is a lazy way out. Kara, uh, would you, you agree or how do you feel about the whole it's all a dream ending that we get in this movie? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of does just. Even even though the <laughs> even though the film wasn't that great, you've still got this buildup or these scenes here and there. And it's kind of like. Kind of like when you're shaking up a soda, expecting to spray it in someone's face, and that you open it up to discover the thing was flat. It just, it was all for nothing. <laughs> that's, that's a great analogy. <laughs> that is great. That is what this film kind of does. And you know, they do have you repeating the scenes at the end to make you think, well, was he being prophetic and in, in his dream or whatnot? I'm like, no, they just didn't know how to end it. <laughs> <laughs> they either ran out of money or they were just like, um, it's all a dream. And then we'll reuse these scenes at the very end. And uh-huh. Then we'll end it with, uh, was a reality becoming a fantasy? And then I'm like, wow, way to try to, you know, add something at the last minute to what is a not zombie film, which really resembles a zombie film. <laughs> quite a bit and yeah you know it it isn't really a a great film as far as uh these films go you know i i've watched some italian horror as well and it's been done better 
oh, yeah. earlier and later, you know, and, and it felt like they were kind of getting in on the, the zombie craze. Um, I mean, come on, when they release it in uh, the U.S., they call it City of the Walking Dead. <laughs> and, they, and they fooled me with that one because I'm thinking, because, uh, no, I'm thinking that this is something to do with uh, no, George A. Romero because I'm like, oh, wow, another walking, uh, another Night of the Walking Dead. It's called City of the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't until later, it wasn't until I put it on, I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell? Why are these, why did I, this looks like a Japanese movie to me. <laughs> so because, like I said, I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't know anything about uh, that much about Italian horror. Uh, I mm-hmm. don't know about the, I knew about dubbing, but that ooh, that dubbing was terrible. <laughs> terrible. And it just felt like I was watching a, a, a very bad uh, Japanese movie. The dubbing was just terrible. Reminds you of the old kung fu movies, like uh... oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I used, used to watch on midnight on, I think it was uh, Friday nights, they had Kung Fu Theater on one of the, when we used to have independent uh, TV stations and they used to have the old uh, Kung Fu film they used to watch. Yeah, the dubbing was about that bad. <laughs> uh, well, for me, it was the old uh, UHF channels. Yep, yep. They, uh, they showed the Kung Fu pictures. Oh, yeah, that's for us, too. Yeah, that's what was on the UHF channel quite a bit. Uh, so uh, I guess I, I should ask uh, if uh, this film didn't quite sit well with you. Uh, what is uh, one of your uh, uh, more enjoyable Italian horror films? Uh, I'll start with you, Cara. Uh, uh, what would you say is one of your um, more enjoyable Italian horror films? Not this one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, this one. This one's at least good as a time killer film. If you have nothing else better to do, I'll mm-hmm. give it that. But the the first one, I, the, at least the first Italian zombie film I ever watched was Zombie. So it's kind of hard not to be spoiled off of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you start there, it's it's kind of tough. <laughs> uh, Lamont, how about you? You're uh, it's, it's the same zombie, zombie. Because, because it's funny because when it got released in theaters, but I went to go see it, everyone just assumed it was something similar to uh, Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead just came out. So you have this zombie picture come out because it was known as zombie, not the Z-O, I think it was spelled, I think it was spelled Z-O-M-B-I. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they actually spelled the word zombie. So everyone just assumed it was George A. Romero's picture. You know, but uh, it wasn't, you know, so yeah. you know, that's, but, you know, it was, it was a nice film for good practical effects. You know, you never forget the uh, the split the eye the the, the splinter in the eye uh, scene. Oof, yeah. You know, oh. you know, you know, and of course the ending was uh, believable in this one. <laughs> <laughs> more, believ- <laughs> more believable than in uh, yeah than in Nightmare City, that's for sure. Uh, did you have anything that you uh, maybe wanted to talk about or a topic for this film that we didn't touch on yet tonight? I'm sorry. That again, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, did you have a uh, topic or a scene or something that we may not have discussed yet tonight that you maybe wanted to talk about with Nightmare City? Um, no, I think I think we I think we eviscerated this film enough. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. that eviscerate. <laughs> eviscerate's a good word. Yeah, <laughs> not really a, a a deep film, but you know, it, for the time that they were making it or what, it, they, they were cashing in on on. The zombie craze. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah that, that's what they were doing. It's like, hey, that's what most of I me, mean, like I said, when when you have, uh, it's just like when 
after the exorcist come out and all of a sudden you have all these possession films mm-hmm. <laughs> well i mean and in the 50 i mean hollywood's been doing this for ages for with horror films especially i mean in the 50s we mentioned the monster films how many monster films came out I, the, <laughs> I mean last that, year go ahead yeah, and not just you know not with the, the, the not just, I, I don't know if they were trying to copy godzilla or not, but you know, like I said, you have this monster, that monster, this monster, that monster. It's like, what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> you know, it's it, so Hollywood has been doing this forever, and and we've got it now. I mean, with the superhero genre, but you also got it with the horror genre. I mean, you know, you get one movie that hits it big, like when Saw came out, and look at how many films. <laughs> Tried to replicate the saw type formula of elaborate ways to kill people or, or final destination. I mean, uh, you know, it's that trend of this is hot. We got to do something like this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, don't, don't forget the screen clones. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, the screen clones. Look at how meta we can be. Oh yeah. It's so, and this one is no different at cashing in on the zombie craze in the horror genre. And, uh, you know, it it did come out in '80, so it's just the start of the where you really start rolling into the the, the '80s horror films. I mean, just like you know, uh, we had the start of the slasher films with with our classic slashers. Then everybody was doing slasher films. I mean, The Burning. Uh, I always remember, uh, which I think actually came before. Didn't it, The Burning come before Friday the Thirteenth, or was it after? Yeah, actually, uh, I think it came out before Friday the 13th Part 2. They almost ah, came out at the same time. That's right. So, yeah. uh, but I mean, so yeah, I mean, Hollywood has that trend. It's just that when they do that and they try to jump on that bandwagon, you get films like this one, Nightmare City, which, yeah, I think we'll uh, wrap it up here tonight. Uh, we'll just go down the line. I think you'll people will know what our uh, guests are going to say, but... Uh, why don't we go down the line, just give your final thought, and if you would recommend this to someone who is, say, into the zombie films and looking for, you know, maybe an older school zombie film. So, Kara, we'll start with you. What's kind of your final thought with Nightmare City, and would you recommend it? Um, I'd say, in general, if you like older films, even just cheesy zombie films, I'd say go for it, even if even if you're not looking for a time killer or a strong plot, it's it's still something you can just... Uh, like Lamont said, you can just sit down, laugh, have fun with it. It, it. You don't really have to take it too serious. So I think if you go into it with the right mindset, it can be an enjoyable watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lamont, how about you? Your final thought, and and would you recommend it? Yeah, you know, it's like this: if you if you're into old school horror, you're into zombie pictures, and you don't take this seriously, you take it for what it is. You can just get a good laugh at it, and that'd be it. Yeah, so yeah, mm-hmm. that's what basically you will want to watch this picture for. Yeah, and I, I would agree, and I think Kara put it best: it's it's one of those background movies where. Uh, you could put it on the background and, you know, while you're maybe doing something else and you're watching it, you're going, oh, OK, that's that's what's going on. Um, it's it's not an engrossing film. Um, yeah. If you're, you're a fan of looking for early Italian zombie films, you can put it on your list and, and just chuckle. Just realize you're not going to get a zombie <laughs> <laughs> movie <laughs> uh, and, and yes i know these aren't zombies technically according to the description but come on we we know what they were going for and uh 
you know, if you do want to see what the they did with the first zombies, well, you know, then you may want to check this out as well. So uh, we'll wrap it up for the night. Uh, and this is the point now where I give uh, my fantastic guests the license to shill to where uh, they can tell you where you can find their stuff at. So, Kara, uh, why don't you go ahead first and uh, where can they find you at? Um. I've been on a hiatus. I'm working on coming back, but I, I'm over at Horror Retrospective on YouTube. Um, so just basically youtube.com backslash horror retrospective. You can probably catch me a little more actively over at my Twitter at uh, retro underscore horrors. And um, I post a bunch of little random stuff over there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Great stuff. Yeah. I was uh, checking out some of your reviews and uh, I, I love the fact that you covered end of days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like, Hey, someone else watched that movie. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and uh, Lamont, sir, where can they find your stuff at? Uh, once again, I'm on YouTube at youtube.com uh, forward slash the horror miser money G. Uh, I just did a review of Leprechaun Origins. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, I'll be doing a review of Glass. I will uh, be going seeing that this week, and I'll have a review of that. And I'm also working on a review of a movie I just saw called Hostile. Now, keep in mind, this is not Hostile. This is Hostile. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic uh, film about a girl who gets into a crash and unfortunately uh, has to survive a nightmare by uh, one of the creatures that come out to attack, that come out at night. It was a pretty good film. Nice. Didn't like the ending. <laughs> it's kind of like me with The Escape Room. It was an all right film. I didn't like the ending. Uh <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I know how you felt about that. Yeah, it, it, it's like, uh, it, no, it's just like, what the writers were thinking. It's like, okay, we want to make a sequel because, you know, that's what we're doing this for. But you couldn't end it anything like, you couldn't end it like that. It was like they were trying to see how much shit they could throw up on the wall, make it see how much it would stick. It's like, come on, guys, you can do better than that. Yeah, unfortunately, we all know that's a trend of many a horror film to where you would like where it ended to end, but it didn't. There's five minutes more just so that they could five, possibly. Five minutes, five minutes too long. Yeah. That, that was unnecessary. <laughs> They did not need that last five minutes. So uh, I want to thank you both again for your time. I hope you uh, enjoyed listening to our discussion on this uh, Nightmare City. Uh, please uh, check out the links for both Lamont and Cara. I will put links in the body of uh, this uh, of the page for this podcast, as well as they will have links on our Friends of Special Mark Productions website as well, so you can find it there. Uh, and yeah, so now I think let's just say good night, everyone. What is notice? Nice. <laughs> 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 Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness, then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups 
at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support and remember in the spoiler room the conversation is fresh but we do spoil the movies. 